Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Welcome once again to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. With me are Tony DeSero and Trip Turlington. How you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. How you guys doing again? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you, David? Uh, are we going to bust my balls on the podcast? We're gonna, yeah, we got to rip on trip a little bit. Our uh, new audio engineer. <laughs> this would be our second time recording the podcast this evening, just because of a little hiccup. But that's all right. We're ready to go and bust his balls along the way. Yeah, I can take it. I can take it. <laughs> so, how are you guys doing? What are you up to? Uh, drinking coffee. Drinking coffee. Same here. Yes. So I wanted to take a few minutes to maybe just discuss uh, kind of where we're headed with Passionate DJ and in the coming year. Uh, you know, as as everybody listens to this, we'll be uh, right at 2016, um, hoping to get our New Year's resolutions episode in before that. So there will be another episode that's wedged right in there at kind of an odd time, just so that it comes out on the first. But um, we've got a lot of things going on with Passionate DJ. Uh, once you know, once again, Trip and Tony are back here. They're going to be staples on the podcast. Um, we've got uh, kind of a huge focus shift here for Passionate DJ where we're putting the podcast front and center. So we're trying to make that kind of our, our main offering and uh, make this a, a weekly periodical instead of you know something that uh, kind of comes out sporadically. We're trying to get into that groove and, and make sure that you know every Monday, at least that's how it is now, uh, we have a new episode for you full of great content. Um, we're working on a, uh, an entire rebranding of the website. I've got a new logo coming. In fact, I've got an email sitting in my phone right now that I haven't looked at from my designer. Uh, really looking forward to getting that done and just trying to help Passionate DJ grow up a little bit. You know, we're, we're building an audience and, and uh, you guys are writing in, you're leaving comments. We get voicemails, we get all that kind of stuff, and we're, we're becoming a community. So um, really uh, excited to be able to kind of uh, help passionate DJ come into its own and and uh, especially this show because I, I really am excited for some of the things that that we've all been talking about here in the room about you know ideas we have and where we want to go with it um, I think I want to go in a direction of uh, maybe less editing and just a little more polish on the uh, recordings and so we, we give you guys something that sounds really good which is why I'm bringing trip into the equation so as long as he records more than six minutes at a time, We'll have, we'll have really crystal clear audio. Hey, those were going to be a crystal clear six minutes, though. <laughs> uh, but less editing overall. I, I tend to edit obsessively and, and cut out ums and you knows and, and little background noises. And I really, I really enjoy the conversation that we had last week in the in the uh, previous episode. Um, so I think maybe that direction is the way to go as far as conversational tone, but. Uh, you know, with a little more thought put into getting clean recording. So we hope you guys enjoy what we're doing. Um, the next several episodes will be spent kind of tweaking the format, figuring out how we want to segment the show and, and that sort of stuff. So uh, we appreciate your guys' patience as we have these, uh, these growing pains um, uh, moving forward. Going to be stepping up content overall. I really want to build up the uh, YouTube channel. We're starting to get some subscribers on the YouTube channel, and I really don't have a lot of stuff on there. So um, some behind-the-scenes stuff would be cool. Maybe start recording some podcasts. We've talked about playing with that a little bit. Um, maybe some tutorials and, and just other cool things to, uh, to build up some, some video for you guys. 
um, maybe bring on some sponsors to the podcast so that we can continue to grow and, and add new things and, and hopefully get some really cool interviews for you guys in the coming year. So we're really looking forward to where things are going. So, and I appreciate your guys' help on this trip. And Tony, thanks for, uh, for becoming part of Passionate DJ. Absolutely. Thanks for, sure. for asking. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are, are definitely a, uh, a valuable piece of my network and just uh, all around great guys. So uh, really, really glad to have you guys on board. Thank you. <laughs> so there's this article that I wrote, oh, I think 2013. It's gone viral, I'd say three or four times now, and it just happened again the past week. And it's this article about beat matching. It's titled, 10 Reasons You Should Still Know How to Beat Match by Ear. Probably my most polarizing article on the site. Uh, lots and lots and lots of, of comments from uh Apologists and firebrand kind of uh, DJs who are you know insistent on you know one side or the other of this issue and and my overarching points you know uh, as far as you know I I think that it's important to an important skill to learn I think that it can be helpful and that sort of thing but uh, a lot of people think that it's the only way and, and a lot of people think that it's the old way and we should move past that. And so I, I think I wanted to bring that up as a topic, uh, again, <laughs> <laughs> to talk about today and get your guys' thoughts on, on this sort of thing. Um, so I guess let's, let's start uh, a little bit differently this time. Do you guys want to maybe talk about how you progressed like what you started on and then how you got to where you are now technologically sounds good sure so so first starting out um i don't know if trip or tony uh if either of you guys want to talk about how you started djing um as far as format and what you were playing on um because i know that you guys you both play differently than when you started so i'd like to figure out uh why you are where you are now and how you feel about this whole, uh, you know, you're only a real DJ if argument that hmm. so, you know, often comes along with beat matching and, and vinyl debates. Um, I was, I'll start. Um, I started, I think we both started on the same format, Trip and I. Um, Technique 1200s, obviously, with vinyl and mixer, whatever that mixer is, you know, as long as it had two channels and a crossfader. Um, I started with that in 1991-ish. Um, really, all I did was scratch, though. I really, really was fascinated with scratching. Um, I learned how to mix beat match in 1992. Um, and then, you know, jumping forward to my next format was when Final Scratch came out, um, which was the turntable to MP3, the time code vinyl. Um, Sort of Where, the tractor scratch or Serato yes, uh, live yes. of, of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in 2004, and in 2004 I was called a cheater <laughs> for using <laughs> a computer. Um, I then moved forward to a it was a uh, it was a cork microcontrol. It had 16 pads, uh, eight sliders. Um, I used the eight sliders for the effects of tractor. The 16 pads for my Cue, play, cue, pause. You know. I remember that thing. Yeah. Um, and I used it for a while, and then I started using the 2X1 controllers when I jumped into the four-deck playing of Tractor. Uh, played it for a while. Yes, I used the sync button with that. Um, and then I kind of got bored 
of it because I wanted to get back to the physical part of playing that I was brought up with, which was the pitch control, the uh, the touch of the platter, you know, things like that. So when the CDJs and the Nexus 900 integrated with um, with Tractor, I went out and got a set of the CDJ 2000s, the Nexus 900, and um, I play with both of those now along with the X1, and I use the X1 specifically for... Um, starting and letting my loops out and just my effects, but I still use the CDJs as <clears throat> as controlling my decks and, um, you know, using that for the, the turntable feel, if you will. What made you switch to Final Scratch? What was the, the, the big pull for you? Um, not having to carry around a bunch of records, <laughs> not um, paying... Uh, a lot of the music that I played at the time, I was into more of the, and I still am, more, more into the European feel and the European sound. So all of my, all of my 12 inches were imports. Hmm. And at that time, the imp, one 12 inch was anywhere from $9.99 to $12.99, depending. Hmm. Um, and now, you know, you can get an MP3 for $1.99, some of them for $0.99, cents, some of them, you know, a little cheaper than that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so the, there was a price barrier as well. Yeah, it was a price barrier. The feel was definitely a little different, a little off, and I still to this day have not not figured out the best way to scratch with Serato, mm. um, because there's just that little millisecond of delay, you know, that throws me off. And I still like, you know, at home I have one turntable set up specifically for scratching. Um, and I still use the turntable for scratching um, and actual vinyl. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, Tripp, you, you started on records too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, my first setup was a pair of Gemini XL500 2s, which were, thankfully, direct drive. It was that, oh, I was going to say, was that one of the DJ in a box deals? But no. Those were belt drive tables. Uh, no, the, that, that, those were actual direct drive decks that I that I picked up um, with a new mark something or other like very basic two channel mixer it had like the green yellow red LEDs going up in arches I forget what the what was that the <laughs> TT 100 or 1000 yeah. X or something like that but um, yeah so very modest very very cheap setup and um, that's that's how I learned to beat match um, and then uh I got a killer deal on a, on a set of Technique 1200 MK2s um, and a DJM uh, 500 from Pioneer. And uh, I, I still have this, those very same decks today or the same decks that I have in my studio. Uh, so, yeah, 15, 16 years later, um, yeah, still use those. So you, um, at, at some point you switched to primarily a digital format. Yeah. Um, and uh, did you accept that with welcoming arms, or how how did that how did that come about for you? Not really. Uh, it took me a while to to to, to get there. Um, I I was one of the people that used to call Tony a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing him play at the Red Zone with Final Scratch, and I was like, "What was it? Red Zone? You played at Red Zone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah." And I, I remember seeing him playing, and I was all like. What is he doing up there? He's using the he's he's just using a computer. Like what what the hell, you know? And 
Um, you know, so just being ignorant of what he was actually using, what he was actually doing. I, yeah, I was, uh, not a fan of all of that. Cause it just felt like, you know, wait, who is this guy and what is he doing? And he, he's trying to change the game. Hey, hey that, that's not what we do here. Um, but, um, so as a, uh, graduation present, um, when I graduated from, uh, uh, college, I got at my my wife at the time bought me uh Serato SL1 and that I I initially just used it as a um as a replacement for my record bag. You know, uh records on top of being very expensive um are also very heavy, you know, and when you're a DJ that um you know tries to read a crowd you want a good selection of music mm. with you at all times. You know, you need filler, you need bangers, you need, you know, all of the, you know, you need a little bit of everything in that bag so that you can plan for your plan A, plan B, plan C, you know, of, of how you want your set to go. Um, so being able to digitize everything and move it over to uh, Serato was, was pretty awesome because then I just show up with a laptop and an audio interface. Uh, and then I could plug into whatever I wanted. So um, you guys uh, uh, came straight into like the the rave scene of the the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, just to to give some context. So, sure. Yeah. So uh, industry standard equipment at that time was two techniques and right. a mixer. Most of the time, it was a DJM 500 in the late '90s. Uh, early then it 90s to a, yeah. was Gemini. Yeah. You know, American DJ, whatever. Right. at that time, and then uh, after after the DJM six hundred came out, that was pretty much industry standard for a long time. Um, um so uh, when you you both are using the technology that's available to us right now to uh, to DJ in a uh, quote unquote modern way, um, neither of you use sync usually now when you're playing out, right? Uh, no, uh, it, well, so to, to piggyback on what I was just saying. So for me to get to where I was today, um, I use, that's primarily how I used Serato was just as a record bag replacement for a long time. I never used cue points. I never used loops. I always played in absolute mode, not relative mode, mm -hmm. like, you know, and all that stuff. So, um, eventually, um, when industry standard equipment became an obsolete term, yeah. then uh, out of necessity, um, I decided that I had to get with the times because I could not ask these promoters who didn't value industry standard you know, equipment um, anymore. So what I did was is I, I consulted both of you and in doing so came to the realization that I could either go and spend $8,000 or more on a pair of, you know, CDJ 2000s and a Nexus mixer and a Serato SL4 and all of that, or I could spend $2,000 and go with the Pioneer D, uh, DDJSZ, which is what I ended up doing because for all intent and purposes, that is two CDJs and a DJM mixer with right. Serato built into it. So by doing that, then I really started to explore that machine because with that, you know, there's a lot of functionality there that it would almost be a waste if I just kept using Serato the way I'd been using it for years. So in the last 
you know, two years or so, I've I've really like gotten to the point where I'm using Q points, loops. Uh, I use uh, Serato's Flip uh, product mm. a lot. That is really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I've I've gotten to that point where uh, Sync I don't really use as much. I've I've used it before, but it's it's one of those things that for me, I still prefer to beat match by ear because that's part of my workflow. That's what I'm used to doing. So it's a, it's a historical, well, I don't want to say historical. It's, not, it's, not right. <laughs> it's a, uh, I can't think of the word. The word I'm thinking of is artifact, but that's, all these words sound so terrible. <laughs> it's a leftover from the, when you learned, this is how you did it. Therefore, this is how you just prefer to do it. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. Um, and that's interesting to me because uh, I came into this whole DJing thing uh, after you guys did in the mid two thousands, and you know we've talked about this on the show before, to where the the scene in its entirety, at least where we're from, was I mean it was cricket. There was just nothing going on, right? And um, kind of out of necessity. I learned digital first, and and this is at the time when it, digital DJing is is just becoming accepted as a thing. Um, I mean, people still argued about it just like they do now, but it it was one of those things like if you're going to do this, you almost have to start there because nobody around town has turntables or CDJs right. for that matter. Right? Like you you had to go your own path. As far as I could tell, I had, you know, nobody was like, here's, you know, a $7,000 setup, learn it, and then you can become a DJ. That just isn't how it worked. So out of necessity, you know, I I think I probably pirated a copy of Tractor uh, before I bought it, started learning what it is a DJ actually did. Don't worry, I'll edit that out. (laughs) 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 That and everything else. Right. Um, yeah, eventually I needed to switch to some software that could play tracks that were longer than six and a half minutes. Um, but (laughs) 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 sorry, subtle. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, it was one of those things that that stuff just wasn't available to me. So I, I worked backwards, you know, I got a, uh, a keyboard MIDI controller, uh, not as fancy as the one you had, but same idea with some faders on it. You know, mapped it to the software, figured out what I was doing, what DJs are doing, and that sort of thing. Because uh, I came into this as a producer, I'd been I've been producing since I was a kid. Uh, you know, not not prolific uh, portfolio or anything, but it's something that I've always tinkered with. And so it was like, okay, when you when you want to commune with other people who are into this what do you do? And that's where I learned about what, the, what it is that the DJ is doing and, and learned about raves and clubs and, and, and kind of put all those pieces together and worked backwards from there. I got a pair of old CDJ 700s off of eBay and taught myself how to beat match on those. And then when I figured that out, I bought some used tables and, and, and that sort of thing. So I'm coming at this from an angle where it was like, hey, I, I'm one of those few people that got into this learning sync but it was over, you know, ten years ago or something, or close right. to ten years ago. So I'm I'm almost a new generation or a new demographic there because most people are either one or the other. You're this new kind of DJ or you're this old kind of DJ, and I I've always kind of felt a little bit in the middle there. Um, 
so when I when I do things like write articles saying here's why here's why I found it valuable to learn how to beat match. I never thought it was a requirement. You know, I was playing out before I knew how to do it, but I went back and learned it because I felt it was important and here's 10 reasons why. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I don't understand why this is so polarizing, but it seems like you're you're almost forced to choose sides. Like you're either on this camp that says here's what a genuine DJ does. They mix, you know, two or more pieces of wax in tempo with each other with a mixer, and now you're a DJ. You're a, you're a real DJ, or you're a genuine. And then uh, versus this other camp that says you need to get with the times. That's old school. Why are we even thinking in these terms? Why are we even using rotating platters at all? Um, and that sort of thing. And there's merit to be had in both sides of that discussion, but everybody wants to break it into this, you know, draw a line and say, stand here, stand here. And meanwhile, I'm in the background, <laughs> I'm screaming like, <laughs> just learn it because it's helpful, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And I think that's, uh, you know, in our previous discussions, um, that that's, that's one of the points that's missed about your article is that it's not meant to be a polarizing article. It's not meant to say that there is merit in learning this stuff and, hey, all you noobs need to go learn this. And it's not meant to be a condescending, if you don't know this stuff, then you're not a real DJ type of stuff. Um, and that's the point that's missed. It's it's one of those things where it's like, you know... It's, you can't even it, bring it up. Right. It's, it's, a, it's meant to be an article to just bring awareness to say, hey, this is where it all comes from. This is, you know, these these are the uh, tools that are in the old toolkit. And yes, your new toolkit can do all of those things, but it's nice to know or it's a good thing to know how those things work. And, you know, for me... Do I think that a DJ who doesn't know how to manually beat match is not a DJ? No, I, I don't think that at all. But for somebody who does know how to beat match, that that sometimes can be the difference between a, a, a good set or a bad set, you know, depending on, you know, any number of things. Because those beat grids are not always, you know, on point. Though, you know, the, the sync button... You know, it, it, while a, a great tool in the toolkit, you know, there there are always those like micro millisecond things that could go wrong. And, uh, you know, so when you disengage that sync button, do you know how to fix a mistake or are you just going to ride those shoes in the dryer all the way to... That's when you, know, you step in and take over the computer's job because right. you know how to do it. Absolutely. It's like it's like flying an airplane. I mean, we've got, you know, two pilots in a cockpit that sit there with autopilot on through 90% of the of the, the trip. Yeah. But, you know, it's that other 10% where they know what autopilot is doing behind the scenes and that's a good thing that they if need to fails, know. If it fails, they can still fly the plane. Yeah. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. So, you know, sure, you know, if you stick me in a cockpit and put, uh, yeah, I can press autopilot and, all right, let's go. But that doesn't make me the best pilot <laughs> in the yeah. whole world. Well, and, you know, you could, you could make the argument that, uh, <clears throat> you know, well, I have a really solid uh, I, um, laptop that I only use for DJing, uh, 
it's a Mac and I've got a time machine backup on it and I've got my blah, blah, blah. I've got all my updates and I've done this and that and I have a rock solid setup that's never crashed on me ever in five years and blah, blah, blah. You can do that and that's fine. And I, honestly, that would just about describe me. I'm like an IT geek. I come from that world. It doesn't scare me to to use a laptop in the booth. Yep, amen, same here. Um, but at the same time, you you can't, you can't cater to every single thing that's going to occur in the moment. It's not always technology. It's uh, what a, what if the DJ that follows you doesn't show up and you only had a certain amount of tra- tracks prepped? Or what if a certain piece of equipment fails and someone's like, hey, can you play on these CDJs instead? The show must go on. You know, like the, it's useful to know how to do this because you – then it ju- it's just another tool for your arsenal. You know, it's mm. not something that makes you a genuine DJ or not, if you ask me. Right. But something that is still has value. Um, and I and I think that really gets missed. I've I've got a comment from a guy's. Um, it's D R N O. I don't know if we're supposed to pronounce it Derno or if those are just Drano. Like, yeah, Drano maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, and it's an interesting comment because I, I can't tell if he's on my side or not, but he says, it's 2015. Telling people that they need to hold on to the ways and methods of the past is kind of silly. It's like telling people to keep those VHS rewind and fast forward skills intact. Silly. I've heard plenty, I've heard plenty of terrible vinyl DJs just as you can get with digital DJs. A great set is a great set. Agreed. Doesn't matter how it's made. DJs today will use the tools they find to be the most convenient and creative and ignore the old folks still crying pitch and wax. Most of the top 100 DJs just get it done with CDJs and a Pioneer Mixer, simple and effective. Stop being fossils and listen to the music instead of the technology being used. You look really old like Grandpa Simpson when you keep telling people that they have to do things your way. <laughs> That's um, back to my analogy where I say an artist is an artist no matter what media they use, no matter if they're using the sync button or not. One thing that I really love about the digital technology is when you're playing a song, when you were playing a record, you know, you had this much of a record. You had that 5 to 12 minutes, however long your record was. That's what you had. Now you can take that record and you can take this piece of it or this piece of it and you can make that 12-minute record 30 seconds if you want and in into the next one or you can make it 24 minutes if you want you can stretch it out it's it's you just don't have that that much of a record to use you can use whatever piece you want and that's what i love about digital technology it's something like, is it fair to to blame to blame like dj's modern j's or the concept of djing for how people abuse the tools that you know what i mean like it, no, I think it, the responsibility ultimately lands on the person that's using the tools. You sure. Know, uh, so, you know, and and there's always been people who get into DJing for less than genuine reasons. You know, some, some guys just, you know, want to be on a stage. Some guys just want to, you know you know, screw the girls and, you know, it just, it, you know, there's as many different reasons for people to get into DJing as there are number of DJs. Um, so those who exploit tools to the nth degree in order to, you know, make things as easy as they can to get whatever they're trying to get out of it, 
you know, those types of people are pretty easy to, um, to, to spot. And in my experience, most of the time, those people end up weeding themselves out because once they get something out of it, you know, they either lose interest or, you know, they get exposed or whatever. It's like a fad. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. Comes and goes. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you mind rereading, um, Drano? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, the whole thing, or yeah, yeah. So, I'll, I'll stop you when I when okay. it gets to the point where yep, I was it's, thinking it's 2015. Telling people they need to hold on to the ways and methods of the past is kind of silly. Let's stop right there because okay. right there, like I don't know that that's necessarily true because everything about modern society, and this is getting a little philosophical and off point, but everything about modern society is built on what we already know, and the minute we start stop thinking about or uh, the minute we start forgetting about what it is that you know everything else is built on or where we came from then that's when it gets lost Mm. and while yes we have these awesome tools that can do all of these technical things for us um it doesn't mean that what it was built on is in a value um, well, it's like it's like telling the artist, uh, you know, to come back to your point, Tony. It's like it's like telling the artist, like as in imagery, drawing mm-hmm. or painting or that sort of. Um, it, it's like telling them that they're only truly an artist if they use a pencil. And right. the moment that they open Photoshop or whatever yeah. it is that they're their cheating. line is, they're cheating. Right. And I mean, if if you give a monkey Photoshop. You could maybe have a couple lines come out, or you can do stuff with it. You can quote unquote use Photoshop, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they're an artist. And you know, conversely, you know, you you give the right person Photoshop, and and they can do amazing things. And I think that that's it's you can do you can do this analogy a million different ways. Absolutely, you know what I mean. And it's it's one of those things like why why are we blaming? Um, we're 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 screaming at idiots, but we're blaming tools. Right. That's when when <laughs> when we talked about this topic and we said digital verse. I didn't like the word verse because it's like it's the two competing against each other, mm. but they're not competing. You know, you're doing the same thing. It's just what's your outcome? The outcome is is what you make. Whether you hit the sync button, whether you use CDJs, whether you use turntables, it's what comes through the speakers. It's your outcome. It's the picture that you paint, you know, is it just, you know, three dots and then a half moon is a smiley face or is it a full-on, you know, yeah. a, a full-on painted picture? You know, it's it's the outcome. Yeah, and, and I mean, what <clears throat> it, it seems to me, like, why... why it, it, it seems to be a double standard to me because why why can't... There, there are a number of different, I want to say a number, there are zillions of reasons for DJs to exist. It's, and, and we all want to look at our ideal situation as the example. So like, you know, one of us might look to like a 5,000 person rave and think that's what the DJ is supposed to be doing. Another person is at a big, uh, you know, more mainstream festival throwing cakes or whatever it is that they do, mm-hmm. saying this is what it's about. And then the next person is in, you know, a, a basement somewhere, and then the next person is watching a, you know, a, a scratch competition, and the next person's in a bar, you know, a top 40 club. And these are all different types of DJs, and, and context really matters here. Absolutely. And so when you when you take this discussion and you say, okay, 
um, you're only a real real DJ if well, first of all, let's define DJ. What, what are you What are you talking about? And that can mean you, you know your definition of DJ, or at least your image, ideal image of what a DJ is, is going to be different, potentially different than mine. So we're already starting on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. And when you get a whole bunch of people that are doing that, but they're all really passionate about the topic, you end up with you know my comment section. (laughs) (laughs) Which is better than the comment section of most of the internet, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My don't take that the wrong way. I'm really glad that this, this article has really stimulated the conversation, but you know, it, it provides a perfect subset of the, the bigger arguments because you see it all represented right there. I mean, it's, you've got people that really probably are just being dinosaurs and saying this is the only way and you're stupid if you do it any other way. And you've got other people just th- throwing, you know, throwing out the baby at the bathwater and saying that the old school way is, is holding us back and blah, 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 blah. You know, there's room for all this. Why, why, why does it have to be one way or another? Right. Right. Um, and, and one thing that, that sticks out to me personally, and, you know, I, I brought this up earlier, I really even hate, to bring up the word, but jealousy is the first thing that comes to mind. And the reason I say that is because, you know, people who got into this when the only way was the hard way, they had to put a lot of work into doing very basic things that are handled now. You know what I mean? So right off the bat, they have an altered perception of that. And I feel like you lose sight of what the DJ is supposed to be doing, in my opinion, because I don't think a DJ is a person who creates playlists and beat matches between them. You know what I mean? I think that there's more to it than that. But I'm into this for a different reason than somebody else. But when when you have you know uh, somebody who was able to just click a button and negate the three months, six months, four years, however long it took them to be able to lock in a mix, I understand why people are salty about that. I really do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, wh- what's the alternative? Do we, do, we just, do we just not progress? Do we just stay in that for its own sake? Or do we use the tools and try to focus on the other aspects of what the DJ is supposed to be doing to their crowd? There's many different aspects of DJing. Um, the general sense of the term DJ is someone who plays back recorded music, music which has already been produced. But when you are DJing, in our sense of the term, are you, are you mixing on measure? Are you mixing in key? Um, you know, all those things take, an, take effect. Are you... If you're playing a song, when I'm playing and I look at the dance floor and before I go into my set, I'm thinking, oh, you know what? These people are going to love this song. This song's going to be great, blah, 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 blah. I look up, you know, 30 or 45 seconds into the song and I can tell these people aren't really feeling this song. So I have to go back into my creative music wherever it comes from and say, okay, they're not feeling this. I got to move on to something else that's, you know, that's kind of similar and move on to that next song and do it in such a fashion that they won't tell or that not that they won't tell, but they cannot tell that I'm moving on to another song, but they may like this song a little more than this song. And just because I put this song into this crate thinking they'll like it, 
at that time of the night, they may not have liked it. So I moved on to another song. So that's a whole other aspect of DJing is being able to pick the right song, playing it at the right time within your set. You know, and a lot of people don't take that into consideration either. And I think, you know, if if you ask <laughs> if you ask a whole bunch of people, what is a DJ or what does DJing mean? Uh, very few of them are going to say something like they're an empathic psychologist who controls the music. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how I think about it. Which is, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to say, but I mean, that really is like you're responding to what the crowd is or isn't doing. You're adding a human element to something that we could just be using an iPod for. That's something, you know, uh, the human element is something, I'm glad you said that because we were talking earlier about, um, was it Spotify you said? Mm-hmm. Spotify does the, the beat matching now. Yeah, Spotify has a new feature now where it will uh, beat match automatically a certain playlists. I, I, right now I think they're doing curated playlists, but I imagine they're moving towards being able to do that across the board. So it can do that, but it's still taking away that human element. Spotify cannot look at your crowd and say your crowd is feeling a specific way. They're not feeling what's playing right now. Maybe I should switch the song. Yeah. You know, so that in itself, just the human element and being able to read those people and read the crowd, the way they're feeling, the way they're reacting to the song, that's a huge part in DJing that people just don't realize. They think it's just we're getting up there, we have 15 or 20 songs, 30 songs, however long our set is, the night is, whatever, and we're just going with it. No, that's just not the case. Not for myself, anyway. Agreed. Can we jump to the the girl talk comment, the long comment? Because I think that segues well into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I have a a long comment here. It was left by uh, Michael Costellas. And uh, you guys just jump in here and interrupt me at any point because this is a a longer longer comment. But he says, I read through about 10 comments and didn't see this mentioned. Maybe somebody has. But how are we not talking about the real-time interaction with the crowd? I was at Lufest in St. Louis for something to do one weekend, and Girl Talk was playing. My buddies were so completely possessed by what was going on that they didn't even notice him standing on top of the table, dancing while two tracks were blending together. The entire set was premixed and recorded, and I watched this idiot just dance around on stage. <laughs> All right. So uh, let, let me stop right there, because um, Girl Talk is far from an idiot. Um, and what what you're witnessing there is not any two tracks that are being mixed together. The way Girl Talk works is he's a mashup artist, and what he does is he takes, um, you know, several hundred clips um, from, uh, you know, as many different songs, and then he mashes all of those things together into a, a specific, you know, finished product, into a track. And... When he does that, he may be using like, uh, you know, a, a snare drum from a song from the 60s, hi-hats from a song in the 80s, uh, the vocals from a rap track, you know, in the last five years so that there's something for, you know, us to connect to now, and then a guitar riff from, you know, some anthem, you know, back in like the late 80s, early 90s or something like, so he's, he's really talented in that he can take all of those different elements and bring them together into one coherent song that is party rocking. That's what, that's what he's there to do is to party. 
and 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 to bring the party to us. So one of the other elements of that is because everything is so chopped up and then brought back together as a different product, what happens is, is what he is actually mixing on that board, God only knows you know, what is in each one of those, you know, crossfaders that he's, you know, controlling while he's up there. All of the different knobs are probably some different effect, you know, and different channel faders for different, you know, elements so that he can remix and mix those elements on the fly. So, you know, while it's hard to uh, argue with the the uh, argument of pre-mixing, I'm sure there is a lot of preparation that goes into his shows, but it's almost a necessity because he's not DJing per se. Mm -hmm. What he is doing is he is playing his original work in such a way that is a live performance that is choreographed and synced up with a light show and dancers and all of that and, you know, and confetti explosions. And so I've seen that guy, I don't know how many times, you know, at least four. And I mean, everyone, it's just a huge party. This guy is really good at hyping up the crowd. He's got explosive energetic tracks and everybody knows what they're coming to see at that point, which nine times out of 10, he's in his underwear by the end of the set. (laughs) So like, you know, so, um, he's far from an idiot. And I, I, before you go any further into this comment, what I'm getting from this guy already is that, he didn't know what he was getting into when he went to That's go see Girl point. Talk. That's a good point uh, because I th- I think that that problems quite a bit now, especially with people who have been into DJing specifically for a long time. Because sure. you know you've got all these. Uh, we have a new generation of people who are coming up and 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 becoming famous for their productions and trying to find a way to perform them. Right. Right. And it makes sense to take advantage of the idiom uh, blow up to I, do that. Yeah, I feel the. The the people that are coming up today, all of those big names, those guys are producers um, that, like you said, have to play the tracks. And, you know, they're, they're not making the money off of the songs that they're making. They're making their money off of the touring. And, and yeah. you know, the only way to perform those tracks that they produce is to DJ. Well, you know, I think about, like, if... If a bunch of people... Uh, like, like, let's take these train spotters and... and not even that. Just people who've been really been into this and are really into the underground, uh, let's say techno or whatever it is that they're into, and you throw them into a setting like that. Of course, they're not going to get it, but they they're looking for something else. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if Girl Talk were to go up there and and do a two hour set of minimal techno and try to read that crowd and you know, do these long blend transitions and not do all these bangers and not have this big show, his entire fan base is going to be confused. Not just right, us. Right. Not just us, like, couple of people that are standing in the back and sneering. You know what right. I mean? So, I mean, context plays a huge role here. And it's all about, like, what are you into this for? And what are they into this for? Right. Um, so he, he does say, to his credit, the crowd loved it. He says, for me, I couldn't stomach it. And after about four examples proving that he wasn't doing anything but dancing to a pre-recorded mix and messing with knobs, I left. And that's, that's one thing that I want to kind of touch on just a little bit. So the guy, Drano, is that mm-hmm. who we're talking about yeah, here? Yeah, we'll okay. call him Drano. Okay. <laughs> um, he was looking at it from our perspective, 
you know, the DJ's perspective, I guess, the guy that mixes perspective as to where these kids are probably looking at it on a, on a complete different level. And I Which can, I totally I, get. Yeah, I can see where he's coming from 100%. For sure. You know, he's, he's just looking at it from a complete different angle. Um, stomaching it, I mean, if you're there to watch a party, yeah, but if you're there to watch somebody mix and take you on a journey, sure, I would probably walk off too. Yeah, you know, you just went but to the wrong place. At the same time, I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna take away from Grill Talk because I've watched YouTube videos of that guy producing a track or, or a mashup in five minutes, and yep. it's just unbelievable. Like you said, you know, he takes a snare from here, a hi hat from here, a guitar riff from here, and and it's just unbelievable what the guy comes up with. He's it's very, a copyright very, nightmare. He's a, <laughs> he's a very creative individual, man. And my hats off to that guy for. For sure. Absolutely. Well, he says his girlfriend didn't get it, uh, why he left, and she thought he was being an elitist snob. And to him, he felt he was watching nothing. <laughs> kind of like my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he says, when I used to play, I always liked, and I think you guys are going to start liking this guy more as he keeps talking here. When I used to play, I always liked picking the next record based on what I was feeling, what was going on, the, uh, what was going on in the crowd, what was everybody doing. Did everybody leave to go grab drinks because I miscalculated? Was everybody running to the dance floor like possessed maniacs? What did the mood feel like? What did the crowd want? Uh, was the crowd into it? Were they resisting? Did I want to appease them because they were appreciative? Were they reluctant to give me any credit? He goes on, you know, should I ram my own favorite tracks down their throat? Were they feeling it and, and this sort of thing? Uh, was I going to peak early and slowly bring them back down? He's, you know, really concerned about these um, kind of the same psychological type aspects we were, we were talking before we started the comment. Mm -hmm. He says, you get the idea. I like that feel. I like that interaction. I flipped through my crates based on what I was seeing and feeling, and nothing beats that. Yeah, for sure. Like, Absolutely. you know, crowd response is just as important to me as reading the crowd is for me to do what I'm doing. You know, so, you know... Everything that he just said there, there uh, you have no uh, pushback from me at all. To me, like there, there is, it makes your sets a lot more gratifying when you are reading that crowd and you're saying, okay, you know, uh, th yeah, they're not feeling this track. I just dropped it, and all of a sudden, like you know, a third of the the crowd walked off the dance floor, you know, or whatever. So how do I get them back? Yeah, you know, and, and you know, so. Or I've got right, you know, you're at that sweet spot, and you've got every that that dance floor just crammed, and you don't want to let them go. So then, okay, so how do I keep them? How do I keep mm. them? You know, how do I take them to that next level? And when they start responding to me, then that's when you see me, you know, throwing my hands up and jumping and getting you know, into all of that. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there's that, there's that, that, um, that, that that reciprocation there's just that you know that that relationship that yeah. bond that you form with your crowd and and to his credit it's a lot more work when you're doing it as a track selection dj mm -hmm. that is you know there to play other people's music and 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 not saying that you can't play your own music you know i mean i play my own music too but um you know but there's a it's different from a a show like girl talk or dead mouse or skrillex or something like that where you know all of this corporate infusion of cash has created 
a band-like experience with our top national mm. EDM acts. So now it's like, you know, we when we go to see Skrillex or we go to see, you know, Destroyed or we go to see Girl Talk, you know, we expect them to play certain songs just like if I went to go see Motley Crue, you know, I want to hear Girls, 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 you know? <laughs> like, or, you know, here's one for my wife. You yeah. know, she's a huge Counting Crows fan. And as many times as we've gone to see Counting Crows, as as long as we've been together, not once that we've ever gone to see them have they ever played Mr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> they did for me over the summer. Shut up. <laughs> but, you know, that's because they come into it with a set list you know, and right. that's and that's what they come into, and and you know, and everybody has a certain expectation, but you know, they craft this show, and that's what they play to. So you know, very rarely does a band deviate from that, and especially for something that requires as much preparation and syncing and lights and and choreograph and all of that stuff as our top EDM acts are. You know, I, I would I would not expect them to deviate, you know, from, you know, this pre, you know, selected thing. On, they can re- they can mess with it on the fly, of course, but on 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 his um Drano. Okay. Uh, this we'll, this we'll, is Michael, by the way. I mixed that up. Drano's the last guy, but yeah. Oh, Mike, oh. Okay. I, I was just wondering, did he um specify what style of music that he's into? Um I don't think or, he said. Uh, he, because it, he, sound, it sounded to me, and, and sorry to go back on it, but it sounded to me like he was more into the progressive, more into the minimal sound, the techno sound. Because if he likes the the slow builds and 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 this that and the other, it's, right. it's 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 patience. Yeah. And I, I feel like the you know the older crowd has more patience than the younger crowd. The younger crowd wants that instant instant gratification and that's what the girl talks and the Skrillex and the, and you know, it's we have a certain appreciation for subtlety that uh if if the set the sets that we're talking about went the way that I wanted them to, they wouldn't have a fan base. Right. Or they would have a different one, but they would lose their, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like right. And so it doesn't make any sense to to force our you know, ideal paradigm of what we think a DJ does onto a Skrillex or a Deadmau. Sure. You know, Deadmau's caught a lot of flack for that. Uh, That's why I was just wondering what kind article. of music he was. He was. Yeah, he, was he, into he doesn't say he was spe- if he specified because that's kind of what it sounded like. I'm not. I've played with all these guys. You know, I've opened up and and played with all these guys, and I will not crack on their music. I will. You know, sure, I'm into techno. I'm into I'm into tech house and that whole. But they're all artists. They're all yeah. they're all great producers. You know, they all put out good stuff. Is it for me? Not for the most part. But you know, Dead Mouse caught a lot of, of flack for that uh, that whole we all press play article that came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I you can say what you want about Dead Mouse. He has a lot of polarized opinions on uh, you know on either side. But I, I get where he's coming from with some of that because you know he's. Part of his point that he was making was like, yeah, I'm I'm pressing play. I'm doing things differently than a DJ because I'm not a DJ. Right. 
and you know, so we we all kind of use the general term DJ because it's convenient, but that that means so many things now. Right. And I think that that was a point that maybe maybe wasn't well articulated, but I I feel like maybe that's where he was coming from on that. It's like. Hey, you know, what do you want? Do you, you know, people are coming here and they have certain expectations. Do I give my fans what they want? You know, and and why why are you holding me to a standard that um, you know, that you would expect out of a uh, dirty warehouse or somebody's basement or something where you have people who want this more long blend journey type of mixing? You know, well, you know, like I said, it's it's context. That stuff doesn't necessarily translate to that fan base. So what do you what do you do? And and at the same time, does that take anything away from what we're doing or what we enjoy or what you know a vinyl DJ does or what what Craze does versus what this other DJ does? I mean, there you you have this whole spectrum, and and people want to make it a black and white thing, and I just don't think that's how it is. Well, and it shouldn't be that way. I mean, if you it, you just brought up, you know, the perfect name as far as that's concerned, you know, if you look at what DJ Craze does, you know, I I, I don't remember which mixer it is that he uses. Which one is it? The Z2? Yeah, yeah. Control Z2. I mean, and I'm telling you, like, you know, having seen him live a few times and seeing the videos that he puts out, you know, Anybody who thinks that using the tools that he is using is cheating, I dare you to try to do it the way that he does it. Like, you know, and, you know, on a much smaller scale, you know, just doing what the three of us do, you know, by integrating old and new, you know, and, and, and just you looking at the entire toolkit, you know, I feel like all of us are better DJs because we embrace whatever comes our way rather than, um, you know, shunning any one thing because we feel it devalues us. And, and, and so to answer your question, no, I don't think anything out there devalues what I do, you know, and if anything, it kind of comes back to your point of jealousy because there for the longest time before I actually started fully embracing, you know, digital DJing and incorporating it into my sets that was that was number one. There were two main points that I had to get over on, on a personal level, and that was the jealousy because I saw all these people using all these awesome tools, and I mean, you know, how long is it going to take me to learn all of that? How much effort is this going <laughs> to take? And all, blah blah blah. And then two was ignorance because until I actually got my hands dirty and started playing with these new tools and, and, and figuring out how they worked and how I can make them work for me, then, you know, it was just, you know, I was holding myself back with those, with those two, you know, major stumbling blocks. Well, Mike says that he, he would call it more of an indulgence than a show. This girl talk show that he saw, he says he, he was watching girl talk indulgence. I can't help but thinking, is it really enjoyable to watch people listen to a mix you made a few months ago? Learn how to beat match. Put your finger on the pulse and play tracks accordingly. Well, I think well, that goes back to you know what you're getting <laughs> into. You know the type of show that girl talk is is probably not what's up your you know what's up your alley. You know, so yeah, I mean well, that, and you know it's the the other thing is like we're we're kind of uh, 
we're basing this on uh, conjecture, right? Like this is just one, uh, no offense to, to Mike, but this is just one person's story about what Girl Talk did, about their opinion about what Girl Talk did. Sure. You know, and it's like none of us sitting in this room really know what happened that day or what transitions happened without his <laughs> direct attention and, mm-hmm, and right. that sort of thing. So we can speculate about that all day, but I mean... I'm just saying that I ends up in his underwear most <laughs> of the time. Like... <laughs> Which is and he's and he's really sweaty and the the stage is usually full of people by the time he's done. It's <laughs> it's it's it, it, you know indulgence is probably a a, a decent word for it. You know, con, considering where he's coming from. But you know, I just keep going back to you know what you came in expecting and what you actually got. You know, I can understand where the disconnect was, but you know, a girl talk show is not where you're going to find what that guy's looking for <laughs> well he did put in an edit to kind of to correct that he says i just thought of a good way of phrasing what i'm trying to say girl talk wasn't playing a live dj set he was hosting a listening party that lou fest called a live dj set it wasn't it was a listening party for a producer of dance music that's fair I, yeah i guess that's pretty fair yeah. i mean you know once again saying we don't exactly know what girl talk was doing on stage but true but that's i mean but that's pretty common now you know, uh, going back to the point about, you know, all the corporate cash that, you know, has revitalized raving and, and I'm doing that in air quotes here, <laughs> you know, because raving today is not what raving used to be. And, um, you know, nowadays, you know, and I've, I've opened up for, you know, plenty of headliners and, and, and some of these guys are exactly what Tony was just saying. They, they were producers and instead of the DJ, you know, playing these producers tracks and the DJ getting popular from playing good tracks. Yeah. Now it's the producer that, you know, all of these festivals and the supporters and of, of the, of the corporate machine say, okay, bypass the DJ altogether, put the producer on the stage, mm-hmm. you know, go straight to the band, you know, so, so to speak. And by and I'm putting, finding that most people still don't even know what the difference is if they're not right, into it. Right. Anyway. Right. And, so then what what happens is get you know these kids that are you know 18 20 22 24 years old who have you know come up with a decent catalog of you know whatever music that they're into and now they're being asked to play it and you know they don't know how to dj they know how to produce but they don't know how to dj and Mm -hmm. i you know i won't name any names but you know i opened up for a guy once that you know he he didn't know how to dj he 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 actually made it real big off of a few tracks (laughs) and then he you know so when i opened up for him he he even said you know he was all like yeah or actually he didn't even say it to me he said it to some other people you know so then and then that was like our chatter behind the stage you know (laughs) afterward like um but he you know didn't know how to dj so he ran out bought a couple of cdjs and a mixer and taught himself how to mix you know, the last 32 to the first 32 and has gone from there. Now, I mean, he's still, I mean, he's a still big, huge major name and his mixing has gotten considerably better over the years. But, you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, some of those guys get catapulted into this, yeah. not knowing what they're actually getting into and not all of them end up like this guy. Like, you know, some of them have notoriously, you know, there's a lot of producers out there that play notoriously bad sets because they they don't DJ. They're just playing one track into another. 
And that kind of comes back to my point of we're we're getting angry at idiots, but we're blaming the tools. Like why <laughs> right. why are we getting so pissed for what people are doing, and then screaming at the technology? Right. Where when you've got Craze, for example, right. using a lot of that technology. Craze uses sync all the time. Right. He uses beat grids and he uses hot cues, and you can watch his YouTube channel and you can see all this stuff. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. But he's killer. I mean, nobody's going to deny that he doesn't have skills, right? Right, right. So it, it, why would you blame the tools for that? And I think that's my overall point is you're, you're getting mad for the wrong reason <laughs> when, you, when you get into this argument. And that drives me crazy. Right. So he continues, uh, seems like nowadays these kids can match one song to another or maybe another two tracks in their repertoire. But like somebody pointed out, they falter like shoes in a dryer when they have to pick up after another DJ steps off. Now, I, I probably could have just cut that little section out as a comment because I'm like, that's, that's my entire point. Like, it's useful to learn the skill. It's not a requirement. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's a difference between, you know, being all like, get off my lawn! Right. And, you know, <laughs> and saying, hey... You know, everything that we've that we've built here, everything that we are, everything that we have become and will continue to, you know, develop into is all based on some, you know, pretty fundamental stuff. And if at any reason you're ever found at this stage where, you know, you need those fundamental skills, you know. What are you going to do? Are you going to be the shoes in the dryer and, and, and fader slamming? or whether, whether people know or not about good DJing, if you hear a mix and these mixes are completely off and you know two shoes in the dryer like you're, like you're saying, people know that. They know that it sounds bad and people just look up like, what's going on? That yeah. it's, it's so noticeable to even the person that knows nothing about DJing. You know, it, it's, you know, am I playing... Mr. Jones and, you know, girls, 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 you know, going back to what you said, at the same exact time, people are going to know. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with DJing. And you can, take, you can take two songs that are 125 beats per minute each, and if they're completely off, people are going to know. But yeah, I bet Girl a- Talk can make that sound oh, good. absolutely. <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> well, you know, and that's, that's such an obvious dj problem when when you have the shoes in the dryer mix but like i i'm more interested like i I would rather hear you know an hour-long set that has that happen four times but has a a very well-considered thought out uh track list and progression and all these other things that i care about you know i i would much i would still enjoy that set you know, I mean, it might take me out of the moment for a second. Sure. But, like, it's it's funny to me that everybody gets so fixated on the mechanics. Right. The 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 manual skills that are, um, on, in some people's opinion, no longer relevant or at least no longer required. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll listen to a couple shoes in the dryer if I get, you know, uh, a good track selection or, uh, you know, all these other things I care about versus the other way around. Sure. You know, um, because otherwise, like I said, I'll just listen to my iPod or uh, the the jukebox in the bar or whatever, you know. That's just what's important to me when I look to a DJ. But that's not what's important to, to Joe Schmo or, or whoever. Well, and that, that, that comes back to what we were saying earlier about the human element. You know, you can have all of the technical ability in the world, but if you're, 
you know, if you're not reading a crowd in a live environment, or if you're not curating a a story or at least a journey, you know, uh, through a, a mix, you know, through through a set list, then you know what what am I actually listening to? You know, the the constant, you know, as as I like to call it, or as as I've heard it called. Um, the drop culture, you know, mm. the constant build up, build up, build up, build up, drop, for the build, drop up, build up, build up, build up, drop, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, and, and, and it's that constant instant gratification that, you know, that there is a definitely a market for it and that's all fine and great. But for me, when I'm listening to a mix, I want, I want to start somewhere. I want to enjoy, you know, going through it and I want it to end somewhere. And that's, you know, so when I put together mixes, that's, that's what I try to do. And that's what I listen for. Seamless. And those are the right. shows that you're going to attend if that's what you're going for. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it all makes sense. It's, it's, he ends the, the comment here with, I guess I'll always take satisfaction in knowing it was visceral for me. I really enjoyed that finger on the pulse feeling, uh, which I get. And I think that's, uh, that's probably why we all do a fair amount of manual beat matching now. Sure. Just there's, there's something that it does for us right. as the person behind the decks. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, your, uh, your point doesn't go, um, doesn't go missed here, Mike. And he says, uh, <laughs> press plays, that's a hyphenated term. Uh, press plays just can't ever say they've really experienced that. Um, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I mean, there's a certain, um, probably has to do with the dopamine release in the brain or something, but something <laughs> happens when you lock in that mix and you nail it and you can ride it out for a while. Uh, it does something for you. I get a similar feeling when, whether I'm using sync or tables or whatever it is that I'm doing, when I have that connection to the crowd that you were talking about trip yep. where, um, you, you read the crowd successfully and there's a notable change a positive change in wherever you're playing. That's a similar feeling for me. Um, it's a little different, but it's, it's a different kind of skill, but it's the same kind of idea right. to where, uh, and, and I think that's just what it comes down to. It's what things are important to the listener. Um, and when half of your listeners are also DJs, those are going to be, <laughs> your opinions are going to be, opinions are going to be all over the place, but, uh, really appreciate your comment, Mike. Uh, Hope we didn't tear you apart too much. I think there's a lot that we all saw saw eye to eye on, a lot of disagreements, but that's that's what we're here for is to talk about all this stuff, and that was really insightful, so I appreciate that. Had another comment from Gabriel John. He says, uh, dueling pianist here. You can all complain all you want, but we do what you do on pianos. You actually have a button to do the only part of your job that you'd need to practice. Does it irritate you that your job is so easy that anyone can now do it? DJing was already so easy that anyone could do it long before the sync button was invented. I'll challenge that one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've been doing, I've been DJing since the late nineties and, you know, I've, I've taken, uh, the time to try to teach anybody who's ever approached me about it and uh, several people and a few of them, you know, did pick it up and, and, you know, develop their craft and develop their skills and, uh, have played out shows and some still do. And, um, there's been, you know, for, for every one of those, there's been countless others that, you know, you try to show somebody or, you know, try to explain it to them. And for whatever reason, maybe they're not musically inclined, maybe they're just not, 
you know, mechanically inclined, maybe they just didn't get it, you know, or, or maybe I'm just a bad teacher, but at the end of the day there, it, it, it's not an easy thing. Is it, I I think easy is kind of a a subjective term there And, and it's, and it's, you know, so easier than what, you know, cooking scrambled eggs? Uh, no, probably <laughs> not. But, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, sure, anybody can learn how to beat match within a couple of months of daily practice, you know, but it's, there. there's so much more to DJing than that, that, you know, the the overall arching. Why is that our sticking point? Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So did I hear that right where he said we push a button and it does the job for us? I think that he's, he's referring to the sync button. Yeah, he says uh, you actually have a button to do the only part of your job that you would need to practice. Okay, got you. Got you, understand. Uh, so he says you, you guys need to incorporate real instruments into your shows. I've seen one DJ play an actual blah, blah, blah. If you play the tables like an instrument, that's fine, but you all know how rare that really is. I've seen it twice, DJ Jazzy Jeff and DJ Irene. Okay, here's what I want to get to. Most everyone else is improvising a playlist at best. That's not impressive. And he plays dueling pianos? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's an excellent point. I didn't even think about that. I was just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, he he is playing it manually. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to disagree. This guy's not a musician by... Oh, for sure. But... A playlist. What? Why is that? Why is he bringing up the playlist? That's your point, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I get what he's saying, but at, at the same time, it, it comes back to the point you made earlier. Well, if 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 all you see is improvising a playlist and you're not impressed by that, that's fine. But then, why 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 does that always translate to? Therefore, DJs are all shit, or whatever whatever he's also only commenting on two djs that he's only seen do this i mean there's there's a million djs that are out there that he probably has not seen or aware of that actually more than what he has probably seen or what he looks up on the internet and thinks what a dj is you know and you know i actually got into that that whole conversation with a guitarist Mm -hmm. you know on some facebook you know comments uh, comment stream somewhere and this guy was just berating you know djs all together you know you guys don't you know are not musicians you don't know this and you don't know that and you don't understand this and i'm not a musician i'm an artist <laughs> well so you know and he was you know going so far as to say oh if you just get if i had the software in front of me i could make techno it's so easy blah 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 and I could, and I could, you know, release a track and, you know, and I could make it, and I said, you know, and it, and it, and it got so heated that it actually like left the comment section and he started IMing me personally to where, where we were having this, this, you know, interaction. And I'm like, look, man, I'm not taken away from the fact that you are a musician. You're a, a guitar player. I've never heard you play. I'm going to assume you're at least decent enough that you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But this is not your world. Like if you, if you are not immersed in this, if you like, and, and, and really that conversation started to steer away from DJing and getting into producing. And by the end of the conversation, I at least had him understanding the difference between a producer and a DJ and kind of left it at that because it just started to get exhausting. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, you know, going back to, 
what a DJ does, you know, we're not a producer, a DJ is not necessarily a producer and it's a different skill set. It's a different, it's a different presentation of a different product. So yeah, sure. The end result is music and it's being presented to a crowd that will hopefully well receive it. But, you know, to compare it to dueling pianos, well, it's, it is different and it's intended to be different. I can tell you how I responded. Um, I actually wrote this reply on that thread. I said, hi, Gabriel. Respectfully, if you don't recognize DJing as an art form, why are you here? Just to put us all down. My biggest overarching point with this website is that while DJing is easy, so I'm basically agreeing with them, just based on that phrase, DJing is easy. Sure. uh, That doesn't mean it's easy to be spectacular or noteworthy or even above average. And then I, I bring up kind of what we talked about earlier with the pencil. Drawing a picture is easy, too, and all you need is a pencil. Even cheaper and easier to use than a turntable or an iPad. I think that what gets missed here is people look for different things from DJs. Uh, for example, a John Digweed fan is going to look for something different than a Craze fan. I feel that it's short-sighted to not recognize this, but it's common. Um, and then I also mention at the bottom, uh, by the way, I'm also a pianist for what it's worth. <laughs> so I get where he's coming. I'm sure he's a better pianist than I am, but um, I, I get where he's coming from on, uh, you know, where he says everyone else is improvising a playlist at best. That's not impressive. Well, if if that's the case, I agree with him, but I, I feel like he's not looking for the same things that we're looking for. You know what I mean? Right. Or I say we, that other people are looking for. Um, well, I, I got into a similar uh, conversation uh, situation to, to what you were talking about with a guitar guy. Uh, mine was a drummer. You guys, guys may or may not know this person, but uh, got into it with him on Facebook. It was a very similar conversation, and uh, he made a similar argument to, to Gabriel where he thought that the answer was incorporating uh, you know, his drums into our DJ sets as if that made us more legit somehow. Well, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, sure, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but that that doesn't just add cred to the DJ who's doing what he or she was doing in the first place. Right, right. The it, it, there's, it. It, yeah, there's. I mean, and there's been plenty of of DJs who have done that. I mean, there's. I, I've seen everything from a horn section added to a house DJ to. Um, you know, uh, Twilight Sleep. You know, which was actually a production group, but you know, I mean, they that was a drum and bass group. Uh, which actually evolved into Voight Comp, which was, you know, uh, a smaller subset of that uh, that group. And they did live drum and bass. You want to talk about impressive, you know, the guy playing drums? <laughs> like, <laughs> First time I ever saw Pretty Lights, it was it was yeah, him and uh, a drummer. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's there, there's definitely something to be said for, you know, doing something different and adding that live instrument feel to it, but... But as soon as I don't think it's, but I don't think that it's necessary mm-hmm. in order to make it a more viable product. Like it, it, it already tells me you're you're looking you're looking at this wrong, or I want I want to say wrong. You're looking at this from a different perspective than me. If you think that that's going to fix something, right? Um, I feel like maybe you just want to go to a rock concert, or you know what I mean, <laughs> right, or, right. or whatever, or or some other live performance. Sure. Um, yeah. I, Appreciate the comment to Gabriel, and, sorry, and I know we were kind of harsh on you, but um, I, I just feel like, you know, 
everybody wants to argue that that being a DJ or becoming a DJ is easy. And I mean, based on our very basic definition that we talked about at the beginning, yeah, it's easy to play pre-recorded music to somebody other than yourself. Okay, what are you going to do with that? It's easy to draw a line on a piece of paper. Right, right. You can, you know, like I said, you can take that analogy in 50 different ways. Sure. Um, well, guys, that's pretty much all I had. Anything else you guys want to bring up before we move on or before we wrap it up? I just want to put it out there that um, DJing with a digital format should not be verse anything. Mm. Um, be yourself as an artist, no matter what format you use, and be proud of what it is that you do. You know, don't don't worry about somebody saying you're hitting sync or you're doing this or you're doing that. Artist is about being an individual. You know, individuality. I could draw anything right now, and you guys not know what it is, but to me, I know what it is, and I'll respect that. You know, so. Do what you do and keep pushing forward with it. Absolutely. That's a perfect place to wrap up. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll see you next time. There will be uh, one more episode before the, uh, before the new year. That's going to be our New Year's resolutions episode. Uh, if you want to know what to expect, you can listen to last year's version of that. I think it's episode 13, uh, where we're going to answer some burning questions from my VIP listers. If you want to be on the VIP list, which is my sort of email newsletter... You can do that by going to PassionateDJ.com and sign up right on the front page. You guys take care, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.PassionateDJ.com. Check out the fan page at Facebook.com slash DJ or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. With a tortilla? <laughs> Alright, I think I think we're good. I, 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 I think it's good. I was told that I could. <laughs> nope, no salt on the margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I said no, Mom! <laughs> no salt on the margarita! <laughs>